to the Better Golf Podcast, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, Better Golf Pod Nation? I hope you had a successful first week at the Century. And Nick and I are both happy that you decided to join us here for week two at the Sony Open. Before we get started with the podcast today, I did want to give an update about what you can expect for Better Golf Pod here in 2024. Our show has been this mixed bag of underdog drafts and everything over in that world. Uh, we love our partnership that we have with Underdog. We still hope you will consider signing up to play on their platform with our code BGP. They just released season-long best ball drafts for 2024 that are game-changing in the space. But as far as this show is concerned, we are going to go back to DFS and betting-centric approaches. That means our favorite values on DraftKings, what bets we are making for the week, and all of those goodies everyone grew to love over the first few years of the podcast. For more underdog information, check out my season-long model that I released over at Rotoballer. That model will allow customizable rankings when you make a copy and will serve as your one-stop shop for all season-long golf content. Code BGP gets you a 100% match bonus of up to $100. If you have any questions about that, feel free to contact either myself on Twitter at Sports or Nick at Picks. But Nick, how are you doing, man? The Century was an interesting tournament for both of us. Very close to outright bets that didn't end up coming to fruition. Uh, do you also want to talk a little about the underdog contest that I just mentioned? Yeah, certainly. It would have been uh, would have been sick if Jordan Spieth took it home. Uh, rather low ownership in DFS, so I was excited to plant my flag there. Uh, went with the one and done. I believe I'm now in second in our Action Network one. So thanks to Jordy, I don't think anybody had Chris Kirk. Obviously, that'd be kind of kind of wild. I would have never got there in the betting space. Looking at my numbers, I guess there was a little bit of a value. But again, I used out a lot of my betting card going high up the board with Jordan Spieth, who was my long shot. I guess Wyndham Clark and Harris English. Wyndham Clark, just real quick, I, I know I mentioned that on Twitter when someone was saying, you know, hey, love that Wyndham number at 75. My numbers seem to did uh, do as well, but I had mentioned in that tweet, like I do not like being that far off market on quality players. Like, okay, sure, you know, Chan Kim's going to look like he's forty to one in my model and four hundred to one in any other book. I'm okay with that, but a guy like Wyndham Clark, when I saw Circle was seventy five and my numbers were, I think I had him like fifty to one range somewhere in there. Like, that's a little bit of a red flag for me, especially on a sharper book like Circa. We've been talking about them for a while. You know, I also like to reference Pinnacle. A lot of their implied probabilities go into baking my numbers. So I'll make my own odds and then I'll wait. The market is kind of uh, a very short way of saying how I do my numbers a little bit. But um, I'd mentioned that. And I think that that's something I just need to go back to trusting is when I was that far off on a quality player um, from Circa and from Pinnacle, that that's probably a red flag for my numbers. Maybe I should rerun them. So a little bit of uh, preseason form for me, but yeah, I was a uh, negative 0.92 units. So not a big stance in the outright market at all. I did not take any placements. If I would have, I probably would have got to Spieth in the top five market and sweated that one out on Sunday after the bogey on 16. Um, but other than that, uh, the head to head. So the inaugural sticks cash six. I don't think I'm actually allowed to give <laughs> six players out in the lineup, which you, I think you talked me into last week. Um, I did change it up. I tweeted it on Twitter, the two people I was changing out, but my cash game lineup was Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Eric Cole, Cam Davis, I think just killed everybody. And Spencer, stop me next time too, because like I feel like a 40% owned, min, not min price, but like damn near punt price, Cam Davis, 
is everything that myself and the show was against in years past. And sometimes sure we get burned by, you know, mid tier chalk, but on a small field too, if everybody was going all in on Cam Davis, there's plenty of volatility in his game to where that should have been in just absolute fade. And I apologize to the listeners there that I didn't, you know, take that stance. I went damn near all in on Cam Davis. So, you know, sometimes when someone's 20% owned, 30% owned, 40% owned, I'll just push them to 80% exposure and ride or die with it. It just seems like that was just a, a donkey move on my part. So shame on me. And then Adam Savinson closing out the cash line. So Prasant took me up on Twitter for the uh, the head-to-head matchup. I am willing to take, you know, everybody's, you know, like the fans, people that listen to the show and are interested in golf DFS, golf betting. Like if you want to do a friendly head-to-head, I don't want to play for thousands of dollars. This isn't, you know, the whole who's better at DFS thing. I'm not into that. I've never been into that argument on Twitter. It is not a dick measuring contest for DFS earnings. I just want to play a nice friendly game with all the listeners telling you my lineup in advance so you could build around it to beat it. So Prasant also went with Cam Davis, so that was a wash. Went Poston in there, who we talked about a ton. And I don't know how I didn't get to Poston in my cash game lineup because he was damn near in every lineup I had in the tournament space. Um, went Fitzpatrick. So it, we both had Scotty. We both had Cam Davis. They got different with Tony Finau. I think that was ended up being a bad play because I went Spieth pretty much in that range. They went JT Poston where I went Eric Cole. JT Poston outscored them. And then Ben on down at the punt range instead of Savenson. So very sharp play on Ben on. I would have never played him in a cash game lineup. I know you have some thoughts to talk about Ben on, as you mentioned on the Action Network pod yesterday, but just uh, just a lot of fun. It came down to the wire on Sunday. Like I think we were trading who was winning every single day, every hour of the tournament. So it was a lot of fun to see that. So again, when we get to that section later on, if you guys want to play head to head, even if it's for a dollar, fifty dollars, whatever, like keep it reasonable and uh, you know keep it fun. So uh, you had mentioned the underdog full season best ball. This is kind of like obviously not nearly the prize pool as best ball mania. If you guys are aware of that for football, that was a three million dollar top prize this year for the NFL season. But I love this type of content for golf. I think this is the first time we've seen this in quite some time. Maybe draft did it back in the day when that was like a FanDuel product, but I don't think anything like golf betting back then really wasn't a big thing. You were had to be a diehard or a sickie to be into golf betting. Now it's a little more mainstream. And I think people are enjoying it just because the constant swings and sweats of golf betting. And it's just awesome to watch golf on TV. I think when you're just chilling on the weekend or you got a hangover, like I do most times and just sit on the couch and watch Jordan Spieth get fried egg lies in the bunker on 16. When you think he's finally going to win this thing, but uh, irrelevant. So, it's five rounds. It starts at the WM Phoenix Open and goes to the Open Championship. So obviously you want to take players that are going to play often. And I think your roster size is 10 players. I do not know that off the top of my hand. I was going to start a draft the other day. Then I had a work call and bailed on that. But let me see how many players you could actually draft. I should know this, but I just pulled up the rules again. Son of a bitch. What am I doing? But um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. We'll figure it out. But yeah, I think it's 10 players. So 10 players. And then obviously you want them to play as many weeks as possible. It is 10 draft rounds confirmed, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great tournaments. So there's five different rounds. You're getting six tournaments in round one, four in round two, four in round three, four in round four, and then five for that final round of uh, round five. There's smaller tournaments. There's $10 entry, a $3 entry, and a $100 entry. So a lot of different ways to go about it. If you're new to Underdog, I'd recommend the $3 one. If you're 
you know, mid tier $10 is probably a good GPP for you to enter. And then the hundred dollar, if you're just a shark or have a ton of money and just want to blow it or, you know, roll the dice on uh, drafting. But Spencer, do you have any strategies for that tournament? I think we'll probably do like a more dedicated show as we get closer to the, uh, the Phoenix open there, but any just 30 second elevator pitch strategy on the full season or most of the season PGA best ball tournament on an underdog. I was talking a little bit about this last night with Model Maniac, and, and I think the one thing out there that's very important to note is that with this being best ball, you want to make sure that you have a full lineup every single week. So I, I think for me, it would be understanding where you're not cluttering all your p- same players playing in the same tournaments, and you're going to have some form of a diversity to it that you're at least able to field the full roster every single week. Like That's probably going to be the number one answer just not to get stuck in that mold. I would say that the live golfers probably, and I have not seen ADPs yet. I would think that they likely probably get overdrafted. Uh, that would be my assumption. Every single time I've done a season long draft, the live golfers go much before they should. So I think it would be very similar here for underdog, but I think it's just understanding the rules of the contest, trying to figure out what the proper game theory route is. And uh, that's not something that I've personally tried to dive into at this point. Like I had a, like I said, like a 10, second conversation with Byron about that. But uh, I think it's a very interesting thing that if you can try to figure out a way to just always have a full lineup every single week, there should be an edge to be had that way. Cause I think people are going to have rosters that are just dead for just too many players that are all playing in the same events. I'm with it. I think just uh, combining it with season long drafts is a really good point. The guys on live, you know, unfortunately if we, reinstate our league this year i can't use john rahm as a keeper now that he is gone which we didn't even mention on last week's show which i'm sure all you guys listening have heard plenty of john rahm talk so we will skip over that but yeah that's uh like getting guys like i keep saying his name but jt post and i think it's going to be a really big season for him getting guys i think jj spawns a grinder that plays a lot obviously sunjay m is probably going top five overall in a draft like this especially in in your numbers if you were to run it what's sunjay going one one when I ran my season long thing, I mean, he was a fringe back end of a first round pick, but I also think that maybe there's a reason that a guy like Sungjae and Eric Cole, I didn't attach enough weight to just how like the sheer volume that they're going to be putting in throughout the year. And uh, the post and answer I love, I, I did an FSGA fantasy draft yesterday and I think I got posted in the seventh round, either the fifth or the seventh round. Steel. Like, yeah, I mean, I thought he was like a back-end, third-round sort of value somewhere in that range. So it's just all about trying to find all those value picks. I, I think that when you have dead spots on your roster with some of those live guys, it does make it difficult. We're not talking about 20-person lineups to where you can kind of afford to have somebody that's guaranteed to sit out in all the PGA Tour events. So uh, I would be cautious with the live golfers for that reason. I understand that there's the upside that's presented from Rom and DeChambeau and Kepka and all those players. And it doesn't mean that there's not a certain point where they may make sense, but I will probably never be as high as the consensus is out there. So um, it's just something to keep in mind. Love it. All right. Sony open. I'll start with the betting card for me. I followed you on Adam Svensson top 20 at plus 260. I, my numbers agreed that that was about 30 or 30 points off the market and looking at most books out there. That is that numbers on FanDuel plus 260, I believe still as we speak today. I had to go with my uh, my classic. I, I find a Japan tour guy that I like. 
obviously I love Chan Kim back in the past. Well, I still love him. You know, he's a, a friend of the family and it means a lot in this household, but I'm going to go with Takumi Kanaya top 20, five to one on bet three, six, five. So in Illinois, I don't have access to it. So I had to have a runner set that up for me out East, but I don't like I, my data is tough to pull from him because I can't get data from the Japan tour. I can look it up manually, but the green regulation percentage is fantastic. He, I believe he's top five in fairway hit regulation and scoring overall. So yeah, the guy can play. I think he missed a cut on the number last, uh, last year at this tournament. I think last year, my guy that also was close. Did he Taiga made the cut last year? Didn't he? Semikawa. Remember we were talking about him. Yeah, Semikawa, semi who we were trying to turn into the next Morikawa with his game, but uh, he's I, a bomber. I, I, I think yeah. he made the cut, but then finished like damn near dead last, so that didn't work out for me. So please proceed with caution if you're going to trail on Takumi Kanaya. Uh, got to, uh, I mean, looking at everybody's tweets this morning, looks like I got a terrible number on JT Poston at thirty-three to one. I will pull up my numbers for him. I have Poston. Where's he at here? Where you at, buddy? Come on now. JT Poston, I have him at 26 to one and my odds. So 33 to one is still a good value for me. And when I was trying to go up the board, it was between him or Corey Connors. Talked a little bit more about that breakdown on Action Network on the podcast we did yesterday with Roberto. But for me, it when I was going up the board, it was between Poston or Connors. I wanted to choose a guy that I know can get lights out with the putter. Corey Connors just isn't that guy for me. So if I'm taking someone to win, I want a guy that can make putts. I know, you know, putting may be less important at this course due to the high green and regulation percentage, but it is what it is. JJ Spawn 75 to 1 was a good value for me. I'm close to getting to Justin Rose 45 to 1 at MGM. And then I did get talked into Ludwig Aubert at 18 and a half to 1 on Circa. And then the bomb of the week, again, probably not something you want to tail, but you know, Maverick McNeely's been hurt for quite some time. Sounds like he's healthy. Did okay at what was he at the RSM is when he showed out and actually gained strokes on the approach, which for Maverick McNeely never happens. Let me pull him up real quick. I think that was the, I was kind of following him at that tournament, but that was prime football season. My internet sucks as we were talking. So irrelevant, but 250 to one on points bet. So no top forties at the moment. We've been kind of shitting on that market in general and all the placement markets, just the whole percentages are through the roof and not many books are quick to post them anymore. I know they'll do top 20 and those numbers move quickly. If you want to influence those numbers, get in early. Um, but Spencer, what's on the card this week? What are your thoughts on guys like, I'm not gonna, even going to ask about Kanaya, but Poston, Spawn. Uh, let's hear a little bit about Justin Rose and then Ludwig Ober. And then if you want to touch on Maverick McNeely, feel free. If not, I understand. I'll touch on Kanaya. I, I mean, it's one of those things for me, Nick. I don't have enough data to feel comfortable with some of the stuff that I'm pulling on it. But Pure dart throw. But he's sharp. He's sharp at every single book that I respect. He's like 100 to 125 to 1 to win this tournament and has been steadily declining. So I think from a sharp perspective, you are definitely on to something with him. Unfortunately, that Svensson number as a top 20, I think it's now down to plus 200 at FanDuel. Oh, uh, I would not bet it there. It was a number grab situation for me. I do think the value has been removed from the equation at plus 200. But um, you know, that's kind of what happens in these placement markets, unfortunately, is as soon as any value may be on the surface, books are just very quick to remove it once there's any sort of money that's entering the market on a player. So uh, I do like them. I mean, maybe there's a way that some of these top five or top 10 markets haven't shifted. 
I'm always less inclined to want to move into there just because of all the dead heat rules and everything that goes into play there. But uh, Obert, it's it's interesting, Nick, because we talked about this on the action show. You have this decline from Russell Henley, Corey Connors, that whole mix that opened at like 20 to 25 to one, even Brian Harmon. Now the steam on Brian Harmon is insane. And I'm very thankful I got him at 25 to one. I see him at like 20 to one or less everywhere. Uh, but it's all those players that are getting all the steam in the market. And you have guys like Obear, Hatton and Fitzpatrick that are getting bumped up the board a little bit higher than my model thought should have been for them. So I thought that Obear price at 18 or 18 and a half to one that you talked about is just too high. You mentioned this on that action show. Give him a good finish at the century. We're looking at a golfer that's what, probably 10 to 12 to 12, one. In this yeah. 12, yeah. 12 to one at the shortest, I think, or at yeah. the longest. I'm sorry. If he, if he finishes top 10, like a lot of people, especially in the DFS ownership world, like expected out of, out of Ludwig there, I think 12 to one is probably the longest we're seeing. I think 10 to 12 is a great range. He's volatile. I understand that. And or, or volatile in the sense that, it's a course he's never played where there's a lot of predictive rollover nature of it. And it's something that we saw last year with Tom Kim, where it's almost Obear this season is different games, but this year's Tom Kim, where there was all this steam around him entering the year. And then Tom Kim got to this event and he missed the cut. And I understand that. And that's always a risk that you run when a player hasn't played a course that does have the rollover predictability, but whether you look at the projected strokes gain total in my model or the projected weighted scoring, Aubert was so much further advanced in those data points than any other player for me that I did think more in that 14 to one range is where I had proper. So I think once you start shifting this into like an 18 to one number, now I do believe there's value to be found. Uh, Harmon for me was the second favorite. That's kind of where my model got unique from the market. I grabbed Justin Rose at 55 to one. You talked about that being more in the 45 to one range now. I still think there's value there. You know, we talk a lot, Nick, about some of these sharper markets and movements, and it's a portion of my model. when I originally build it, like I do it slightly differently than you do in the sense that I build it with my numbers 100% on Monday. And as the week goes on, I very slowly start infusing in the movement and everything that's incorporating in that world with it. So uh, it's a small percentage for me. It's not going to overly move somebody one direction or another, but you know, Rose is a golfer for me that just because, I mean, he's an underdog in most matchups I was looking at. He was a substantial underdog in some of those. He shifted a little bit away from where I had him. Like he started at 35 to one being the proper price. He's now more in that like 40 to 45 ish to one range, depending on exactly how I weigh it. So do you think that 45 to one number is probably about where fair value is at this point, but a lot to like about his game. We saw that 61 that he shot on Sunday at the century. I think that's a lot of why markets reacted that the way that they did, but very similar blueprint for me that when we saw him win Pebble beach last year of the skills and the stats he's bringing into the equation, took Lucas Glover at 75 to one took Adam Svensson at 70 to one. It's another goal for that price has just, it's, nowhere to be found you're lucky if you could find a 50 at this point um my numbers love them too yeah i'm surprised i missed that one i just went with the top 20 when you had posted that and that's kind of where i'm at yeah when he moved he shifted fast across the board and i think it was one of those things is once the top 20 price moved everybody moved in all other sectors too and uh great in my model 
well, I would say elite in my model on similar tracks to this. Placed seventh for me in expected scoring this week. Won the RSM Classic, which is another very short venue that I think has some similarities to what you're seeing from the approach shots and all that. So, um, liked him. And then the only head-to-head that I have, and I'll I'll run this by you on the show because this is not something that I've even mentioned to you. So this is a true first take that you are going to be giving for anybody listening. But I have a round one matchup. I bet Grayson Sig minus 120 over David Lipsky. Do you have any thoughts on that play? Dude, I'm in, I was going to mention Grayson Sig yesterday. Um, I like him a ton. I have David Lipsky. Where's David Lipsky? I mean, my numbers like David Lipsky as well. Like when I have the auto populate, like do I have an edge on the implied numbers for the books? I have a yes for David Lipsky, and I also have a big yes for Grayson Sig. So you'd have to just like, I'm not anybody that I don't know if I've ever taken a round one round, like a, a solo round matchup other than when you have recommended it. Cause that's kind of your wheelhouse. Anytime you post a matchup, I pretty much head, head to the books immediately and punch that taken. But what are your thoughts on why no Lipsky? I see why Grayson Sig, but then you match him up against David Lipsky. I kind of like them both in that, in that price range. Let me ask you this before I give my answer. What do you like about David Lipsky this week? Well, my numbers like him. I don't like him personally. So I don't know. Not his putting. So I, I here's my concern. And and maybe this is so when I originally ran my numbers and I try to release things that have over a three percent edge. That is kind yeah. of the, yep. the it's kind of where I want to be if I'm going to actually release information just because of line movements and, and everything that goes into play. And plus, I want to give an advantage that actually is sustainable out there. When I ran it originally, it was sub 3%. And I made a few moderations to my sheet on Wednesday. One of them being that Lipsky and Sig are playing in the afternoon on Thursday. There's going to be a lot more wind in the equation. Both of them are Fine win players. If you want to get technical, my model thought Lipsky was a little bit better. I think you're looking at the same range there of what the win expectation would be. But I guess my biggest concern came into play is that Sig's approach numbers were better than Lipsky. Once again, not that Lipsky was terrible, just right outside the top 45 for me in his expected approach when we look specifically for this course. But I do think that wind could become a problem because if all of a sudden he doesn't hit as many greens in regulation and it's not that my model's popping with him as an area where it's expecting him to necessarily be overly productive in that zone. If wind comes into play and I don't trust the putter, like I think Lipsky is outside of the top 100 for me in pretty much any iteration of how I ran my model for expected putting here and overall putting. I worry that if he starts being a little bit more I don't even want to call it wayward with his irons, but if the wind affects him even ever so slightly, the putter could become a problem in that afternoon wave. So when I did that, moved it to a 3.3% edge, I had proper closer to that minus 137 range for anybody that's trying to do the math on that. Um, I will agree that I don't necessarily hate Lipsky because of the form that he's bringing to the table, plus his fourth place finish here, but feels like a boom or bust target to where I'm always trying to find that blow up potential. And to me, there was at least some indication that his fourth place finish here in 2023 
plus that 13th that he provided at the Butterfield Bermuda to end 2023, maybe ever so slightly enhanced his numbers in the market. And if that's the case for a golfer that I still think that the floor is low and you don't have to look any further than him missing the cut here in 2022, I'm going to bet against him and hope that he puts together a bad round. And, you know, we'll see how he produces his stats because if he does beat Sig in round one, it doesn't mean that he necessarily did it the right way. He may also be a target to take on in round two if for some reason he gains it all putting or however way he does it that's not really sustainable. Yeah, for sure. I have Sig or uh, Sig just behind Lipsky and expected strokes gained approach, but significantly higher on the greens and around the green. So it's it's a little too close for comfort for me, but I'll ride it if you're going to ride it. I think that's a fair assessment of it. It's just, you know, we're, we've kind of been talking about this. It's very thin margins these first couple of weeks throughout, like any of the sectors we're looking at. It's it's books have gotten sharper in that sense of not releasing the absolute blow up potential candidate against one of my favorite golfers, because like three years ago, that's all the space did over and over again. And uh, when you were able to find those edges, you were putting together win percentages in the head to head market that sound fake, but are not when you are just selectively picking the matchup. So um, I don't think we necessarily have that large of an edge here in 2024, but it's all about trying to find anything that does present like 3% plus. Love it. 20 minutes in, we already mentioned David Lipsky and Grayson Sig. Let's head over to the DFS streets a little bit. The upper tier pricing guys, Thigala, Fitzpatrick, Hatton, Ober, um, all pretty close in price. I'm going to say my answer by a wide margin is going to be Aubert this week. I was kind of out on that last week. I'm going to be in this week. What are your thoughts on Hatton, Fitzpatrick, and Thigala? I don't think anybody's going to play Thigala when he's priced up there. And it's kind of a course fit where everybody's like, you know, he doesn't hit the fairway. I kind of like him due to the fact that it's a club down course for him with how long he is. And the iron play looks so, so locked in last week. I just think he's an absolute stud and the putter's coming alive. But so is Fitzpatrick and Haddon. They're all, I mean, all these guys are studs. But sub-10% on Thigala, I'm kind of interested in. And I did not think I would be. It goes back to what we kind of talked about at the beginning of this show, just with the $9,000 range generating all the ownership, whether you're looking at Brian Harmon now getting everything that he's getting and Corey Connors and Russell Henley and I see ownership around Poston and Kirk and even Cole and, I don't know where your numbers are on all those players, but uh, I mean, we're looking at a higher percentage there than pretty much anybody that I have in the $10,000 plus range. So I think when ownership gets condensed in the same section, there's always a game theory route and leverage that can be created in other areas. And if that means one, the $8,000 section is generating less ownership, it made me look into them a little bit more. And I, I can't necessarily say that's the case on the players that I wanted just because Ben on and Justin Rose seem to be popular in my numbers. And, you know, you take a guy like Hideki, I just think it's so boom or bust for him at this point to where, I mean, it's a route that you could consider. He does look to be on the right wave draw here, but it was kind of that $10,000 plus section is where I want to start these builds. And uh, Aubert would be my number one choice. I, I think markets are just way too low on him, whether it's a betting market or DFS here. If nobody wants to play him, and I'll ask you this before I continue, what ownership percentage do you see on Aubert right now? 15. So I no. have 13 and a half percent. So we're in the same range there. Um, I would think it's, I would think it's under 15 for sure. I think it will be eventually just with all the ownership that like, what do you have on Henley? 23. 
I have 24. So, I, you know, I, I think there's going to be enough players there in that $9,000 section that are just going to eat up so much. Like there's going to be such a common start to builds where it's either Corey Connors, Russell Henley, Russell Henley, Brian Harmon, uh, JT Post and Russell Henley. Like it's going to be repeatedly those builds over and over again. And I do think that the, the contrarian nature of Aubert was just too much to ignore with the high end potential that my model had for him at the reduced ownership. Um, it was difficult after that. And I think Hatton, Fitzpatrick, and Thagal all have rhyme and reason for, for why they can be considered. If you made me pick one from that group that I like the second most, I guess I will go with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, where would you rank him out of the four? So if you have him, I assume, behind Thagal in playability? Uh no, because Fitzpatrick's ownership is pretty low too. I would have Fitz second, Thigala third, Hatton fourth, and that it's tough. Like you're, I'm I think that's probably a fair point. order. That's probably what I would have also. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know what I don't like in Hatton. Everything about his game is good, but I don't know. He's a debutant at this course, isn't he? He's never played here. I don't think. No, and I, not there's in competition nothing- at least. There's nothing that my model hates about him either. Like maybe the weighted total driving could be a little bit better. You look historically at these similar short par 70 courses, it could be slightly better also, but it's nitpicking with him. Like we're still talking about a $10,300 golfer that my model has negative value on with him being the second name on the board. Like when I originally built this and I am frustrated that Brian Harmon has now garnered all the ownership that he did because it seemed like such an easy solution for me when this started. O'Bear and Harmon were the two contrarian routes to take. And yeah. now all of a sudden Harmon has all this ownership and I, and I'm still fine with it, I guess. I mean, he burns me all the time. Why not just continue it? But I was going to say, I am probably out on harm. I don't know if I could be, out let, let me ask you, He's this. Just good. let's move into the $9,000 section. And let me ask you on these players. And let's say we have Harmon Connors, Henley, Kirk, Poston. Let's say that's the the big five of ownership there. Would you agree with Cole that? as well? Cole would be in there. Okay, that's fair. Cole is right behind them for me. So we'll, we'll include it as the big six. Of those six players, how many of them, whether it's currently or what you project to do moving forward, are currently in your player pool right now? And after that answer, I'll rapid fire off those names and just tell me yes or no to them. Okay. Because I so think that that is... that's where it's going to be a big deal breaker this week for people. For sure. All right. So Harmon's included, right? Uh, include Harmon, yes. Yes. I, th- I think I'm going to be in on Harmon. And honestly, I think a great way to get different is to not play Corey Connors, Eric Cole, and Russell Hunley. I think I may be out on all of them. They're priced to where they need to be, like, damn near a lock to finish top five. Yeah. And, like, I'm okay fading Connors. I could just sleep at night knowing, you know, he's got to put lights out. Obviously, the... Iron play could be second and none. Eric Cole, I worry about off the tee. I know it's still Same. a shorter course, but he sprays the ball like crazy. Russell Henley, I love just in general. And I will just the century was so bad, but do you just take that with a grain of salt? Because the course history here, I think, is fantastic for him, isn't he? Obviously, this was T2 when he lost to Hideki. I, I think I probably play just to not say I'm fading all three. I'll play Henley. I'll play Harmon. I'm out on Connors and Cole. In on Kirk. Definitely think, in on Kirk. I think for me, I am in on Harmon. I am out on Connors for the reasons that you stated. Uh, the safety portions of my model love him. I 
understand that the course history is magnificent and there's really not that much negative to say outside of the ownership, but the putter is bad. If we are, and I know you are yourself, we are attaching weight to putting. I trust him the least. As much as I like JT Poston to start on Monday, I don't love where this ownership has gone. Like, it, I, wh- what number do you have on Poston, and what number do you have on Henley for ownership right now? Eighteen for Poston, and then Henley twenty-three. Okay, so I also uh, I have nineteen and twenty-four. I, I do think that it's close enough for me when we're just, I mean, at that, at those numbers, I understand it's 5% difference, but I think we're talking about such a high number to begin with. I would just rather play Russell Henley. I think Russell Henley is better golfer in all areas than JT Poston is. So I'm probably in on Henley out on Poston. I agree out about Poston. Oh man. He is like everybody's fucking favorite golfer too this week. And I fell into that trap and I chased him. What do you not like about Poston? To me, like 9,100, that's like more in the top 10 range of pricing. Like, I think when you go below 9,500 on this field, it's like, okay, I need need you to finish in the top 10 to have some, you know, value in my lineups at that ownership, especially. I think there's two you- things that I would probably dislike about Poston. Um, one would be the ownership that we discussed. If this was a 10% golfer, we're having a different discussion here. I I thought the 40 to one price that entered the market on Monday was super intriguing. Like that was, that's, that's that was, should have taken it. that was the optimal time to take. And that was probably one of the best values on the board. And I played the same game where I waited too long and didn't end up on him. And all of a sudden that number moved and it was game over for me there. But I guess if I'm directly comparing him and maybe it's just more of like the byproduct of who he's next to on the board and Kirk Henley, Connors, Harmon, granted he is the cheapest of the group. I kind of just lean towards him being my least favorite play for the reasons that if you look at the course history over the last five years and a similar answer can be given for Harmon. I understand that, that this is kind of playing both sides of the aisle here, but if you look at what Poston has done back-to-back missed cuts in 2020, 2021, he does have two top 21 finishes in 2023, 2019, a 42nd in 2022, just not as pristine of the course history that I'm looking for, for a golfer that my model really liked, but he didn't grade as high for me as a Brian Harmon. He didn't grade as high for me as a Russell Henley. And Russell Henley has, you know, three consecutive years here inside the top 32 with that second place finish in 2022. That likely should have been a win for him. So um, I just think for me, it's a product of, it's a really condensed section of ownership. And with him being as popular as he is, is in that same range as a lot of those players. Like I have to find a reason to be out, but I'm not going to sit here and necessarily argue with somebody about it. If you would rather play Poston and Connors and you want to remove Harmon Henley and Kirk from the mix, like that is another route you can consider. I think all the guys are somewhat in the same range. It's just, you have to pick and choose your, your positions here. Yeah. I feel like I could still balance a little bit by keeping Poston in there, but at that ownership, if it's going to go up to 2025, 20, I think I could survive just going cheaper or forcing myself up to Henley or Chris Kirk. Cause I'm, I'm going to be in on Chris Kirk. I'm, I love I'm, the swing. I yeah, just think, yeah. think it's a great course for him. His swings in the zone right now. It's so repeatable. I like that nine came below. Uh, you just want to name some guys and we'll, we'll fire through it. Sure. Um, I mean, Justin Rose was one of the first names that popped up on my model. I I see him at 15% right now, but 
there's so much that my data liked about him. I guess there's the volatility to worry about, but um, from a DFS answer, I know your thoughts a little bit when we talk about the betting market that you were considering him at 45 to one. Are we talking about too much ownership here for Rose where you're out? 8,200. I don't think so. I think I'll be in. I just think it's a bad price at the end of the day. Also, when you look at any of the, 8, I, think I, can, I think I can make a lineup with all these guys. Sorry to cut you off, but like I could, I'd be fine having Justin Rose, Steve Yeager, Adam Hadwin and Keegan Bradley all in the same lineup. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of, and the ownership for them is not bad. Obviously Rose is going to be in the 15 range, but Yeager had one Keegan Bradley is all going to be right around 10. When everybody's kind of, going to Brendan Todd for hundred dollars more and he's 15 to 20%. I will go all the other guys right around him. It's kind of what we talked about of just the, the ownership is getting pushed into the nines and then to like the upper parts of the sevens there with Brendan Todd and a couple of those other names. Um, yes, you do have some outliers like Justin Rose that are going to carry ownership. But when I was looking at the most mispriced players in my model, they all ended up landing at least if I'm looking $8,000 and up, they all ended up landing in this $8,000 section. So that would be Keegan Bradley, Adam Hadwin, Steven Yeager, Justin Rose. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts on Cameron Davis. Is this a buyback spot in Tim? Are we out after what he produced last week? I'm in. That would That's what my model seems to believe also. I think that if you look at him, he's a favorite against Rose. He's an underdog against Poston, which makes natural sense. He's an underdog against Denny McCarthy. Um, he's a favorite. That, line, that, that Denny line, though, is moving in his favor ever so slightly because I saw him at plus 115 at most books, and I see plus 110 now. Interesting. He he is an underdog at Pinnacle to Lucas Glover, who is about $1,000 or exact, I guess, $800 uh, cheaper. Um I don't know if I necessarily worry about that. My model loves Glover this week, so I can understand Glover. Glover. I can understand like Spenson and Glover are those two $7,000 golfers that they graded to me as if they should have been in the $8,000 range and maybe for Spenson, even a little bit higher than that. Like I I could have had a $9,000 price tag on him and been fine. So kind of just think that they are good chalk if they end up being chalk. And I've seen the Glover number drop ever so slightly. I don't know what ownership you see on him right now. 10. That's exactly what I see also. And that is not a number that I had 24 hours ago. I had Glover as 15, 16%, and that has been a steady decline. And I don't know if that's the putting acumen that people are worried about, but high upside numbers for Glover in the way to proximity, it's going to come down if he can make putts, but great weighted total driver for this course that, unbelievable proximity numbers that I talked about. I do think he has upside potential to spike. You have to be aware of the risk, but now at 10% ownership, we're talking about a different game here than somebody that I was kind of worried was going to get to 20%. So I like Glover. I agree with your sentiment on spawn boomer bust target at less than 10% that carries upside. Um, trying to run through some of these names, like my I got, model. I got two questions for you real okay. quick. Brendan Todd, are you in or out? Cause he is as sharp as it gets at, these books looking at the matchups for him i mean he's favored over keegan bradley i think almost no no he's not keegan's a favorite over him i think i'm i'm going to be out on front of todd then i know the course history is there but keegan bradley is much higher pedigree golfer in my opinion but if there's any course for brendan todd it's this one i'm probably in on brendan todd i 
I don't have problems. It comes down to a contest specific nature as always. And it comes down to how much ownership that you actually have from an aggregated percentage on some of these builds. But I didn't think Todd's ownership was that outlandish for the price. Um, He's a cut maker at 7,900. I mean, you need a little more. You probably need a top 40, top 30. Which is what he has historically provided. Every single time. You're right. Yeah. Right. There you go. That's a good way of. Yeah, he's T21 twice, and then he's made the cut four times in a row, and his game is probably better now than it was then. So, okay, I'm in. Ben on. Ben on's the tough one. Um, like, dude, he is so talented. And T12 last year, I just don't think it's a good course fit for him. Is his iron play that good? I feel like it's volatile. I think his entire game is volatile, but... Um, I do think the upside answers. Like he he became a player last, at the end of last summer. Like he is a name now, and he is yeah. Because what Roberto was talking about, he was lost his card. Yeah. Oh man, that's I, one. Like, what what's your ownership on him? I'm seeing seventeen percent. I see so six, over 16 percent. I feel like I would just be out, and I'd rather go roll the dice on Cameron Davis. Or pay up for JT Poston. I know you're out on Poston, but I I trust Poston way more than I trust Ben on. Well, I, I mean, it's a. I, I will agree with you on that. I think if like you're directly comparing those two players to one another, I would rather play Poston. So I guess based off of that answer, I have to be out on Ben on. Um, so I guess I'm out on both based off of that. All right, <laughs> there you have it. Uh, other guys, I know you touched on Glover. I love him. Svensson, 7,700. Are you okay with just saying I'm there in the betting market and that's it? Because I see his ownership closer to 20% now. I, I kind of still like it. I just think he's so underpriced. I, I know that's not the optimal route or the optimal answer to give in a lot of these spots. but it's great, cor- great course for him. I agree with you there. And he can make putts. He's one of the best mid-range iron players in the field. I think you just take it. Like Looking at the same reason we were talking about Brendan Todd, like we play him at that ownership, we need a top 30 type of finish. I think Svensson's got that in the bag easy. Obviously, we bet top 20 but at odds, but still, I from think a, I'm going to be in on that too. From a DFS price, when comparing that to my model of $7,000 and up, he was the second most mispriced player for me. Uh, so number one, Austin Ekro, number two, Adam Svensson, number three, Justin Rose. Those were the three most substantial differences I had compared from their price to what I thought they should have been. Um, I think for all three of those answers, and I know Rose and Spenson have gotten popularity behind them over the course of the last, you know, 24 plus hours. But I, I at some point, and, and this is kind of one of the mistakes that I make over and over again, is I try to get so contrarian with these builds that sometimes you end up removing just like the obvious choice from the mix to where you can't play everybody that we've talked about. And I think that's where we've come up into this $9,000 range. And we named six or seven golfers that we, I don't think maybe outside of your answer that you gave for Eric Cole of the erratic nature that he has off the tee here and the lack of distance. I don't think any of those players that we talked about in the $9,000 range, you dislike or out on outside of an ownership answer. Correct. Correct. And, and that's what it comes well, down Zell to. Well, Zell Torrest. I'm not going to Well, yeah, at least the popular players that would be. 
of uh, that of that high end mix there in the nine thousand. So I think those are just you know you have to pick and choose your spots. And if I can lose popularity in one direction and kind of create leverage by going heavily O'Bear or heavily Fitzpatrick or whatever I do at the top. I do think that's a unique enough way to try to still cram in Spence in and, and cram in some of these guys. And Eckrode has no ownership to him, and he's going to probably be my very cheap. I don't even want to call him a dart throw necessarily, but um, I have him at sub 5% right now. The safety numbers in my mall love him. The overall rank placed him in the top 25. Just thought he was massively underpriced for a golfer that has provided success here with a 12th place finish in 2023. And then the back-to-back top 25s that he produced at the Worldwide Technology and the RSM Classic, which kind of keep talking about the RSM Classic having some sort of corollary comps to this course. Uh, Svensson's won that tournament. Eck wrote eighth place last year. It's kind of that same build of a player that I keep looking for. Okay, good middle line player too. Um, thoughts on Andrew Putnam, chalk of all chalk at the mid-tier chalk, 7,500. This week's Cam Davis. Markets kind of love him. See, the thing, though, I one of the matchups I found interesting, which maybe it just has play both, but even money to Spenson. He's uh, he's minus 110 both ways against the Gala. Andrew Putnam is? Yeah. Okay, well, I think that gets me off the Gala. Fuck, dude. Like, where am I getting different is... Trying to does, find, like, does the Gala have a? I assume, he, I assume he doesn't. Does the Gala have a matchup against any of the top end guys? I assume not if they place him against Putnam. Um, I see him against Eric Cole, and pretty much even money depending on what book you're at. Eric Cole's a favorite at some of the offshores. Pinnacle Eric Cole is a slight favorite. That's, yeah, I, I think based off that of online looks like they're even. Minus one ten aside, uh, Cold and Tigala. I think just like based off of that answer and all the players he's matched get up against, out. get both of them out. <laughs> Maybe so. I'm not uh, playing Eric Cole. I'll let Eric Cole beat me, but I like. I will let Eric Cole out. beat me also. Like if you look at Fitzpatrick and his matchups, if we're trying to directly compare two guys that are going to go a little bit underowned on DraftKings, uh, Fitzpatrick is a substantial favorite at Bookmaker against Obear. He yep. is minus 120 against him at Pinnacle. He is minus 132 at Bet Online. I think Bet Online kind of takes, in general, the middle of those two books. So it's kind of natural that they're right in the middle there. So uh, that seems logical. Bovada has it at minus 145. They're either way on one end or way on the other always. So uh, I think that's a big perk in Fitzpatrick's cap for a reason why he should be considered. He's a favorite against Hatton at Bookmaker. He's a favorite against him at Pinnacle. He is minus 110 both ways against Connors. I mean, I guess that's a little bit more of a perk for Connors there. Um, those are the only four matchups I see. But um, I guess based off of those answers, with my model being very close in that range, it's probably Obear, Fitzpatrick, remove the Gala. I think I'm probably out on Hatton as we discussed. And then I, if we go back to the Putnam answer, I don't know exactly. I think the ownership is likely too much um but my model did like them i'll tell you that nick i figured so all right we need to find a sub five percent guy just to talk about still 7k with i mean there's so many guys to talk about so we'll skip over most of that but 
I mean, Ekrode, I think Ekrode is that guy for me. I don't know where you have his ownership, but I have him at like 4.8%. Let me see his price. I'm at three, 7K. All right, Ekrode's interesting. I like that. Thoughts on, I'm not going to give you Matt Wallace. Emiliano Grillo. Yeah, I can I can definitely I get behind. 3%, 3% Grillo. I know he's hit or miss, more of a GPP guy. Massive favorite over Matt Wallace. Same price range, so I like to see that. Yeah. Course history is, I don't know off the top of my head, used to be good, cut the last two, three years, but two years, I think. I yeah, back-to-back -back cuts in 2022, 2023. Uh, not ideal form when we look at what he provided at the Century and then that missed cut that he had to end 2023. guess the only negative drawback for him beyond that would be if we do believe – like if I'm directly comparing and, and we're talking about trying to find very thin margins here with some of these names, he is as a, as of at least right now on the wrong potential end of the draw. He starts in the afternoon on Thursday. We'll get the morning on Friday. Um, that kind of when like he is very close in my model to Ekrode is kind of one of the reasons why I push towards Ekrode. He's going to get an early tea time. I think he's on the right side of the draw and you're going to get unique nature, but I don't have a problem with Griot. I think that's just at least something to keep in mind, but uh, positive value in my model, always that I ran it positive trajectory for upside. That's what you're looking for in GPP contests. When we're talking about a low owned player, um, I'm trying to see if there's anybody. I mean, Griot's not going to miss a fairway. So that's why no. I'm kind of interested in him and he could get hot with the putter. So we know the iron play historically is there. It's not there currently, but I think Griot's a guy that could, Definitely finish top 10 and flip a GPP. I around. agree. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, I don't know if Any, there's anybody else. Anybody 6K? I, I know my guy's probably going to be Kanaya. I like Sig. I know you mentioned him. Other than that, I don't. I haven't dove through the whole board yet. Again, I was waiting for the weather edge as well to see if that's real. I'm going to wait till probably late tonight. What about Matthew Neesmith? I know we always like seem him. to. Yeah. Everybody seems to like him when it's a short course with iron play and fairways, and that seems to be a really good spot for him. He popped very high for me when I waited the uh, expected strokes gained approach with those mid range irons. So I kind of like him a little bit. Yep. Hasn't played here the last two years, but it seems like he kind of found his game a little bit last year. He was he was a thing in these uh, middle to lower tier tournaments, which I'd say this is a mid-tier tournament. There's some good players there. But I think uh, now that we had talked it through and kind of just reading the board, I think starting with Matt Fitzpatrick or Aubert is, I mean, obviously Aubert's on the wrong side of matchups here, but I think that ownership's going to continue to drop. But if Matt Fitzpatrick's right around 10%, I think that's a, a guy I'm probably going to go pretty high after. I think that that's probably the optimal route to go. And um, I always like Neesmith on these shorter courses. I think him, Grayson Sig, which we have discussed. I'm trying to find somebody that is very outside of the box. Um I mean, there's ownership going there. I, I do think it's a little boomer bust, but he has made back-to-back -back cuts at this tournament. Zach Blair yeah, at 6,200. I've um, been meaning to mention it too. Sorry for Fitz. I think I'm going Fitz in one and done. This is a very similar, trying to pull my numbers on like where all the weights equaled and what it's very close to Harbortown. 
Yeah, that's another course. I mean, and then little Fitzy, little Fitzy, Fitzy Harbortown yeah. Magic. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of those players that are just going to find the same comp courses that are going to find success. So uh, I don't have a problem with Fitzpatrick in any way. I I think I wrote a one and done article um, over at Rotoballer, and I did not include Fitzpatrick as one of the five names. And in retrospect, I think that was a massive mistake that I made because he is a better play than. I would rather still play Brian Harmon. I'm going to stick there. I personally would rather still bite the bull. And I know this is a low money tournament. I would rather play Obear regardless of what markets say. I think from that answer though, Fitzpatrick probably should have been the third name there. I think third I had, I think I technically had posted at the time, but I just think he's going to be so popular. Every single one and done contest I see has him every single outright card has him like at some point like there's just no there's no leverage that you're creating of every single person has live him. on air my pick prior was jt posted i think that that's what the whole market has done and, and i get it he my model likes him also it's just at some point when he he regressed in my model when i started comparing him to all the matchups like he's an underdog in spots where directly comparing him to all the players that I was like directly had him next to. That's a problem that shifted him behind all of those Connors and Henleys and Harmons and all those guys over and over again. But um, as I said, Blair would be intriguing at 6,200. And then I'll give you one last one and then we will get out of here. I don't, my model has some stuff that it likes about this player I guess I'll give you two. I'll, I'll let you answer two here. Um, both in the lower $7,000 range. Any thoughts on Nick Hardy? Any thoughts on Taylor Montgomery? I could get down with Taylor Montgomery. I'm not really a Nick Hardy guy. That's fair. I I technically, as of this moment, don't. University of that. Illinois guy, isn't he? Right? I, I don't like University of Illinois. I went to Illinois State. So I'm out on Nick Hardy. I think he went to U of I, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah, I'm out. So that means I'm also out on this Dumont Chas guy. So you, you went to U of I. I got, you know, just it's not not for me. I'm Illinois State. Go birds. Um, so that one will be a with the heart type of pick. But I could get down with um, Taylor Montgomery for sure. I know the off the tee stuff. I, I think it's a, actually a decent course for him as well. Now that it's kind of a shorter course, I think he'll be OK here. All right. Last question. And then we really will let everybody get out of here. OK. Um, we did say 30 to 40 minutes pre-match, uh, pre-pod, and here we are 55. So we're back in mid-season form. I'm back to my old ways of conducting right. us to an hour and a half show. Um, Don't say Alex Molly. No, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm going to go more towards some of these guys that are coming in from like the corn Ferry tour. Do you have thoughts on Alexander Bjork or guys from like these DP world tours and stuff? My numbers love Bjork and they liked Ben Coles too but I have no thoughts. Um, Bjork, I feel like we've played before. We've talked about him. Maybe it was he at the Scottish. Let me find out. I he did play the Scottish and he's, I think I had a top 40 ticket on Bjork and he finished T35, but I think that was a dead heat ruling. Cause I think six guys may have tied for 35th, but uh, I'm okay with him. He's a, you know, for what we've seen, a good iron player, a guy's not going to miss a fairway and can put lights out. So sure. He fits the course. Yeah, I don't have enough data to feel comfortable. And if I'm pulling it from the DP World Tour, I feel less comfortable. But for all the reasons you said, he finds a bunch of fairways. He makes a lot of putts and the iron proximity looked to be good from this specific range. So um, I'll play him. If that's the short answer, yes, I will play him. I think that's it for me. I mean, unless there's anybody else that you want to discuss, Nick. Johnny Vegas. 
Was he injured he most was, of last I, year? He was injured. Um, In terms of iron play, he grades extremely well for me. If I do the long sample size, if I weight it towards more of recent, obviously that's going to be skewed data. But in terms of pedigree and iron player, I know he's probably not going to make any putt at all. So maybe get off that, but a 0% Johnny Vegas. Okay. Well, I know we keep saying we're going to get out of here, but we'll add Maverick McNeely to that mix of just a I'm player. I'm playing Mav. That, yeah, I'm playing that, Mav. Yeah. These are pedigree players that in their prime of whatever their prime would be in your mind or whatever their prime actually was, they're probably $8,000 plus golfers in this field. And if the injury bug is what caught them at the end or during the middle of 2023 for them, you never know what's happened when they're teeing it up for the first time here in 2024. I think they're always interesting targets to take on at very little ownership. I would realize for anybody who does do that, that there's going to be a lot of volatility. I probably prefer Mav over Vegas if directly comparing, um, but they're boomer bust targets in GPPs that you can throw in there in some of those big money contests or the big field contests, I should say. Love it. All right. We'll get out of here. I won't talk about Chan Kim. I'll save you guys all that for, uh, for another course when, I don't know. Let's see if he can make a putt this week. But a uh, quick reminder on underdog must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska. and must be present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms to apply. Concerned with your play, call 100Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in New York call the 24/7 hope line at 18778 hope ny or text hope ny in Tennessee call or text Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789 and like Spencer mentioned earlier if you're interested in doing that seasonal tournament at or one of the three seasonal best balls at underdog use promo code bgp for a deposit match up to $100 Spencer, good luck this week, man, and I will talk to you offline, I'm sure, in regards to my main single-entry lineup. But um, Cash Game 6, got to run it through real quick. I can't. Yes, can't I was I was just going to bring that five. up. All right, I'm going to start. I'm going to play Fitzpatrick. I think I'm in on that. Um, I, I was going to say JT Poston. I want to play JT Poston. I'm going to go down to M. Svensson. So we got, are you cool with Fitz? I know it's not cash game savvy, but I like it. Yes, I'm cool all with right. him in, all, in everything. So we got Svensson. Oh, fuck, am I putting Andrew Putnam in there? I think you have to in cash, don't you? I like Putnam. He's too cheap for cash. Damn it. All right. What about Brendan Todd? <laughs> I like Brendan Todd too. Oh, God. Justin Rose or Brendan Todd? I'll go with Rose um, just because my mom uh, loves Rose. Todd. But I, but I like Todd a lot. I'm going Todd. Damn it. It's a cash game lineup, so I don't get that weird. Give me a fifth. How much money do you have? I don't know. Probably not much. Let's see. I should probably put this in. Standby. Sorry for the uh, just deliberate waste of your, your all time here. I'm just going to put in a GPP real quick. We got Fitz, Svensson, Putnam, Todd. 8,300. Oh, we got plenty. Give me someone in the, that 9K range. You want Harmon in there? 
I think Harmon, Connors, Henley, I mean, are like the three. I I would rank them Harmon, Henley, Connors. Um, over, over Kirk, right? Yes, but I you could Let's sell me you could sell Let's me on Kirk on. over. No, I'm gonna. Connors. Oh shit! This just slapped me in the face. All right, it leaves me sixty eight hundred dollars. We'll figure out who that player is uh, another time. But the now, first guy at sixty eight hundred eight is Webb Simpson sitting right there. I'll probably go Kanaya to be. Um, it's probably not a good cash game move, but it'll actually probably Grayson Sig. But we'll see. Can't give all six. Probably Grayson Sig, right? We gotta go Sig. Sig or Neesmith. Okay. We'll keep right. the suspense. It's one of those two. Yeah, or potentially can or I, potentially can I yet? All right. Godspeed, everybody. Good luck this week, uh, Spencer. If you want to get us out of here, I will uh, go on mute. Yep. You can find Nick on Twitter at Sticks Picks. I am at Tiaf Sports. As always, if you have any questions about the week from any of the perspectives that we've talked about, please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles. And as I said at the beginning, use the code BGP to get a hundred dollar match bonus over on Underdog. Uh, the site is buzzing with different sports that you can play weekly when diving into either their season-long best ball drafts or pick them contests. Uh, any support that you could show us for, for the content that we put out by signing up with that BGP code would be greatly appreciated. So once again, thank you guys for all the support that everyone does show us out there. And we'll, we will see you guys back here again next week.